you excited for your first day at school tomorrow? Wow, that is super nasty. Hey, you should come over after school. This is a lot to take in. We're witches. What? They're not gonna laugh at you anymore. Oh! Once you're in, there's no turning back. The craft legacy. And welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of Hollywood's worst-rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts. Michael, say hello. Hello. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're rebooting a cult classic for the modern age. Except it's not a reboot, it's a sequel. That kind of reboots. The 90s are coming crashing into the 2020s. Michael, what's the movie? Claire, it's the same old story. New girl comes to a new town, goes to a new school, becomes friends with three other weirdos and joins their coven, gets a crush on the wrong boy. Yes, when all four corners meet as one, this is the craft legacy. Yeah. At least they like they they took the uh, the concept of a legacy sequel and tried, tried to actually make a legacy sequel. Yeah. By shoehorning in a cameo. Look, they used the words the craft and legacy a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, so they if did. that counts, then <laughs> big tick. Well done. Ten, ten across the boards. Ten across the boards. <laughs> so the craft legacy was dumped on streaming during COVID and the pan- slash pandemic on October the 28th, 2020. It was one of the first non-animated movies that went on to streaming during the pandemic. Because they had that weird period of time, didn't they? Where they're like, are cinemas going to open? Are they not? For like mm. eight, nine months, they were like, oh, can we open cinemas? No, we can't open cinemas. And film studios were scared to put their st- movies onto streaming. So we had yeah, no they new They were releases. like holding off and holding off and let's reschedule. Yeah. Let's, you know, all the big releases just got pushed uh, back and back and back. Blumhouse was kind of like, he, he's in a very niche market where he does these horror films on a very low budget so mm. that and it came to around mid-october and he was a bit like don't release you've it kind now. of got to release it haven't you a movie yeah. like this you've got to release it by the end of october by mid-october but, i guess and it was literally i think it was like a week's notice and it was like it's coming to streaming it was yeah like that. and i remember actually having friends round with excitement because the craft is one of my favorite 90s movies so I remember having all these people around shoving them all into my basement with my husband and we're like, yay, the craft legacy. Oh, <laughs> the reaction at the end of that was, was the, the the explosion that I was hoping from it. wasn't quite the same as your Hocus Pocus 2 watch party. No, no, it's very low key. It was COVID. Only could have my bubble and my neighbours. We didn't have bubbles in America. That was an English thing. To get an understanding about what was going on with this movie, it did get a very small, not in the UK, so we have no, dom- or America, so we have no domestic or small European market place for this movie. But overseas had a very small international market release for this movie. Um, it took 2.3 million against a budget of 18 million. So, and you can't get these figures for online streaming. Well, I think in today's world, mm. we should be getting those figures these days. I think we should 
be able to get this information across quite yeah. you know they must know how many people are streaming oh yeah the movie Blatantly. and it would have so, been paid for streaming it's not like it's they would have gone oh yeah. let's just dump it onto I was going to say Disney Plus, not Disney Plus, but you know what I mean. They didn't just like dump yeah. it on Amazon Prime as a freebie. If you wanted to watch it on streaming, you had to pay for it in the same way as you would have paid for a cinema ticket. So that yeah. data must be available somewhere. A hundred percent. must exist I, somewhere. So I actually think now like on Wikipedia and the numbers and stuff, they should be like, this is how much it made in the box office. This is how much it made on home release of streaming because that window is much mm. shorter now than Absolutely. it's ever been. And it's a shame and we don't people have... just don't go to the cinema anymore unless it's for no. a really big release that you feel yeah. like you have to see on the big screen. A lot of people have kind of got used to watching movies, watching new movies at home. Yeah, because the window's much smaller. Like, if you look at what's in the box office at the moment and what's achieving and what's not achieving. So, like, things like Mario, that was released by Universal. In America, we have Peacock. The rest of the world doesn't have a Universal streaming service. So... Everybody went to the studio cinema to go and see that movie because they knew it would be on streaming quickly. While The Little Mermaid is not performing very well because people are going, well, it's going to be on Disney in eight, five, eight to ten weeks. So why am I going to watch this movie in the movie theatre? So it's underperforming because a lot of people with families won't go and pay for four movie tickets. Yes. The general public now know, especially that our generation of the parents, they now know what companies have streaming service and which companies don't. So yeah. it's not like... They're a bit more clued up on technology. So everybody's always like, it's a political thing. You go woke, you go broke with Little Mermaid. And I'm like, no, it's just because families of four people aren't going to go and spend money when they know that the company's going to, if it underperforms, it's going to be on streaming quicker. They don't care that Disney haven't got the money. They don't care that Disney aren't overturning back their profits. They just care about getting it for free or getting it for nothing. People are very more self-centered with that kind of information. And with this movie, because it was released by Sony, what is TriStar, mm. there is no streaming service. Yeah. So Bloomhouse knew that by putting this on pay for streaming, people would pay money to watch it because Sony has no streaming service. Their streaming service is, a year, I think it's like 18 months after release, it goes to Netflix. So they're one yeah. of the only ones that actually have still this neat nilsh little window where streaming ma- uh, pay for streaming matters cinema matters and blu-ray and dvd releases matter still to them for sony because sony also make product so they make blu-rays they make playstation so they're not going to cut off that middle ground of people buying the 4k or the blu-ray because they mean yeah. they're still selling they're still making the bloody thing so they need people to go and buy the product yeah, yeah. Use it. but even now three years later this movie is not available to stream in the UK at the moment. Two weeks ago it was. So when I was yeah. Googling, I was like, okay, I need to watch these movies. The Craft and The Craft Legacy were both on Netflix, I think, in the UK until the end of May. And I think they were on Channel 4 for a little while as well. Like They must have been shown on Film 4. So they had a they won the catch-up service for Channel 4, but only until a limited time. They obviously, they're only, Sony are only licensing the movie for limited release on the streaming services. And then they take it off presumably yeah. to create demand. Yeah. And then maybe it will probably go back on in a couple of years for a year or so and then come off again. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's how it used to work. And Sony seems to be still working that formula. But other studios like Disney or Warner Brothers, who have HBO Max and, police and other platforms, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And most of those films in their window are failing because mm. the consumer knows that they're going to wait until it gets... It's going to come to streaming. And now Paramount has their own streaming service. What's going to, I think, is in the UK now as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, Paramount Plus. Yep. So that's going to come over. And now Peacock, I think, is coming over to the UK very slowly. It's gradually mm-hmm. working its way. So I feel like these studios are shooting themselves in the foot. They're not going to get their capital back when it comes to making these movies, unless you make movies in this small 20 budget million range. Well, this is the thing, unless they switch to the Netflix, Amazon Prime model. Yeah. And do it that way. So then from, does it then follow on? Has, Has that, the DVD figures, are they strong for this movie? No. Because people thought it was streaming <laughs> movies. Because so people that don't... strategy didn't pay off anyway. Well, no, because we don't know how much people pay for it on streaming. Like if you're if oh, you've yes, bought it, if you've bought it on Voodoo or iTunes by demand or per rent, yes, you're not going to go then watch buy... and keep rather than rental. Yeah, because yeah. there's like a five pound or five dollar difference, isn't there? There's like yeah. rent it for twenty or buy it for twenty five. You're going to buy it for twenty five, yeah, yeah. and then when it comes out, you're not going to bother buying the physical copy of it afterwards, are you? Because you have it on the cloud. No. So you're shooting your, yourself in the no, foot because again. Because who can be asked to get up and put a DVD in the machine if you've got it on streaming? Well, it depends if you're a uh, if you like. Well, you can if yeah if you're like down in your cinema room or something. But if you're just watching on your no no there's no TV point. in your front room. There's no point. And the thing is, I don't even use discs for the point of, for imagery. Some people like 4K discs because they have a higher increase of, like, image. I actually prefer the disc because over sound, because sound gets um, compressed on digital. Like, it's a massive difference on sound when you stream a movie. And I like, because I've got, like, about seven channels down in the basement, I like the dividing of sound when I watch a movie. And for me, sound is more important than image quality because I'm a bit of a audio. What's the word for people that like oh, sound? Audio freak? I don't know. Audio files? I don't, I don't know. The word for them. Anyway, so the original craft took 55.6 million against a budget of 15 million. So the budgets are kind of like in the same ballpark. Yeah. Um, well, yes, except that there's a big time difference. So 15 million in 1996 is probably a lot more than. 18 yes. million in 2020. Exactly. But has grown, but the first one has grown a huge cult following since yeah. then. Like, Rotten Tomato critic score sits at 48% for an audience's 25% for this movie. And if you yeah. compare that to the original, what the craft is, critics is 57% and audience is 65%. I feel like the audience score for this movie is 40-year-old people sitting down to watch us hoping to get a sequel <laughs> to the movie they well, wanted. Well, yes, because most fans of the original movie are going to be people in their 40s who watched it Yeah, when it came out. No one is watching The Craft for the first time now, apart no. from me, for this. Yeah. But generally but think- speaking... I feel like this has been kind of like the scores for this have kind of been whacked over the head the same as Hocus Pocus 2 did because I feel like people have spent so many years imagining what their perfect sequel is and then when it doesn't mm. get delivered the way they want it to, they throw their toys out the pram. But I feel like for this movie, I think they went off to go and make this mother and daughter kind of, I grew up watching The Craft, now I'm going to hand this over to my young teen daughter to get what they want from The Craft. And really yeah. what happened was the mother sat down and watched us alone and was like, this isn't the craft I wanted. I wanted more. I don't want to hear about sexuality. I want to see about beating up girls and making their hair fall out. You know, it's, it's a very <laughs> different thing. Claire, 
Do you have any yes. behind the scenes stuff for us? Well, I do. I was quite surprised, actually, at how how little information I was able to get. But the good news from there is is that it means you don't have to listen to me bollocking on about it for ages. So swings and roundabouts. Yes. So starting with the cast and creative team, returning cast. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) I think there's a spoiler (laughs) alert, guys. (laughs) Firuza Balp, who plays Nancy in the original movie is back for this movie kind what of what a waste uh, well we yes i have thoughts and i'm sure you do too and we will discuss yeah. anyway she is the only bit of continuity from one film through to the next mm. obviously yeah. peter Pilardi, who wrote the original movie gets a credit because it's um based on characters create that he created and it's set in the same uh i suppose universe that he created so he gets a credit but he wasn't actually involved i think in the writing of the movie in terms of new cast we've got kaylee spaney coming in as lily we've got zoe luna as lauders we've got gideon adlin as frankie we've got lovey simone as tabby david Dukovny as adam and michelle monaghan as helen the movie is directed and written by Zoe Lister-Jones. She yeah. also uh, wrote and directed Band-Aid, Woman Up, How It Ends, Slip. She's an actress as well. She's actually got more acting credits, I think, than she has writing and directing. But she's been, over the last sort of five, six years or so, she's been doing more as a writer-director. Yeah. And the music is by Heather Christian, who also did music on Lemon, Animal Wisdom and White Rabbit. In terms of the production story for this movie, this is where the information gets a bit patchy. There were plans in around uh, 2010, I beg your pardon, for a straight-to-DVD sequel, which would have been focused around the character of Nancy. But these plans got dropped. Now, what I don't know is why it took from 1996 to 2010 to even get to that point. There was no talk that I can find of an immediate follow-up. There was no like, oh, this movie's done well. It's done better than we thought. It's getting a cult following. Let's make a sequel. That conversation didn't seem to happen. And to be honest, I'm glad because I think that story of those original four girls got finished. Yeah. I think, you know, a sequel set two, three, four, five years later would have been weird. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, like, where what would the genre be? Because they would be in their early 20s by then, so it wouldn't be a teen movie anymore and... So yeah, I'm quite well, glad they the, didn't. The characters will not have moved on enough to have any kind of form of development. Exactly. And they exactly. probably couldn't so, afford Nev Campbell, to be honest. Like, they're gonna make and yes, Nev Campbell was quite famous and quite busy by yes. then. Because, um, of course, this movie came out before Scream, although it was the same year. Yeah. Um, it came out before Scream, so she wasn't the name that she then had become by the end of the year. Yeah. So that original sequel plan was dropped. And then in May... 2016, so this is the 20th anniversary of the original movie, uh, Sony announced that a sequel was in development. It was going to be written and directed by Lee Janiak, who went on to direct R.L. Stein's Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. Yeah. But this was after this was being discussed. But the fan response to this was largely negative. The fans were not keen on the idea, which surprises me because I would have thought by then, 20 years have passed, people would be interested in the sequel maybe it was because of who was writing and directing but i don't know um the fear street movies that were they did you watch those those three i haven't yet but i have heard oh my god they are 
fantastic. They are so good. They're like goosebumps for adults. Yeah, yeah. If you're on point horror, they're like point horror stories come to life. They're really great. I really recommend. Yeah. Them. So anyway, that that got panned as well. And in June 2019, Zoe Lister-Jones was announced as the writer and director. Jason Bloom was producing under the Blumhouse Productions banner. As you say, they're they're very well known for their work in horror movies. They produce Paranormal Activity, Insidious, The Purge, Split, Get Out, Happy Death Day, Us, Megan, loads of those types of films. They're really well established in that genre. And so from there... Zoe Lister-Jones was writing and directing the movie. Jason Mm. Bloom was producing. Jason Bloom, I think, was the one who got uh, Fariza Bulk involved in reprising the role. He he bumped into her, I think, uh, or maybe he contacted her. I can't quite remember what I read. But he got in touch with her and said, we're rebooting. We're we're kind of sequeling. Because it was like, at at first people thought it was going to be a remake. There was talk of, oh, they're remaking it. And then they're yeah. rebooting it. And then suddenly it was announced, no, it's going to be a sequel. Mm. Um, but Nancy was still involved. And she was quite keen to get involved, particularly once she'd spoken to Zoe Lister-Jones about how her character was going to fit into the story yeah. and about what the story was going to do. Because the main thing that Zoe Lister-Jones wanted to do, she was a fan of the original movie. And I think that shows in this movie. She's trying to be very respectful to the original movie, but she's also trying to ring the changes and make it a, a story about women supporting women rather yeah. than the first movie was very much women, women tearing women. women apart. Yeah. She wanted to make a different story. And that's why Faruza Bulk was interested in revisiting the character because she felt like, you know, we've, we've seen plenty of movies about women fighting women, women yeah. tearing each other apart, bringing each other down. And actually it is time that we have more women supporting women. And we have those movies, but a lot of them are very chick flicky. Yeah. So to have something in the horror genre that still embraces the, the concept of sisterhood yeah. throughout the story, rather than building it up and breaking it down like the original movie did, really appealed to her. So that's why she was keen to get involved there were quite a few bits of sort of character development and storylines that ended up being cut um particularly involving backstory of the the girls in the movie zoe lister jones did an interview with collider in 2020 so i guess probably just before the movie was coming out or while the movie was in promotion originally lord's grandmother was going to be seen in the movie um she was the character was a bruja and there was um she was going to be originally much more involved yeah in there's the story. Loads, there's quite a few deleted scenes with that character on the blu-ray yes so yeah. zoe lister jones wanted to kind of explore those traditions of witchcraft and of the mysterious yeah. and bring that into the story and i think there was going to be a, a storyline of the the relationship between Lauders and her grandmother as well, because I think in the original draft, Lauders mother had cut her off. Yeah. And so she had formed this really strong bond with her grandmother, which is, I guess, how she got into the, the witchcraft side. In of the things. deleted scene, there is a scene where that character explains why she is um, basically her mother is Catholic. And when yeah. she came out as trans, her mother chucked yeah. her out. But the grandmother took her in. Yes. And they for grandmothers. That. So yeah, so that that was the um 
linking why she had this relationship so close with her grandma. Yeah. And then there was Tabby's ancestry was going to be rooted in the West African traditions. And mm-hmm. so where there are obviously traditions of witchcraft there as well. And then, although I don't think it was ever written into the script in Zoe no. Lister-Jones's kind of headcanon, Frankie's sort of ancestors went back to Salem. And so yeah. that's where they all got their kind of mystical, magical heritage from. None of these girls just suddenly kind of manifested their own magic. They all have it going back through their family lines, including, of course, Lily. Spoiler alert, who turns out to be Nancy's daughter at the end of this movie. So that's kind of how the movie came to be. Um, I think it's worth noting that there are a lot of female creatives working on this movie as well. So as well as being written and directed by a woman, having a majority female cast, although I think there are more men in this movie than there were in the original. Yeah. In terms of men with, with significant roles. Yes, definitely. But the movie is still very much a female-led movie. It's the four girls and Lily's mum, I guess, are the yeah. kind of main characters. The composer, about 50% of the producers and executive producers, cinematography, editing, production design, art direction, costume design, set direct decoration, all of those roles were taken by women on this movie, which mm-hmm. was very much not the case with the first movie, which no. was created almost entirely by men and I think that shows as well but that's kind of all I've been able to find in terms of the the backstory of how the sequel came to be so if anyone knows any more than that send us some links I'd like I'd like to know more actually about how this this kind of came to be but that's all I've been able to find through various bits of googling Mm. um yeah it's a mystery, but I'm guessing that it's it's got to be something to do with the 20th anniversary came around and they were like, okay, it's now or never. Yeah, no, We've definitely. seen this before with other uh, franchises where they've kind of suddenly trotted out a 20th anniversary sequel with varying levels of success. So yeah. with that no. in mind, how do you find this movie? What's your take on the craft legacy? It, so being a, being like, though you watched, the craft for the first time for the podcast. I have grown up yes. with the craft. I saw it on release in 1996. It was one of my favorite films of the 90s. Watching it today and re watching it myself for the podcast, even though I've watched it loads of times, watching it for, I was a bit like, I saw the issues with the original movie mm-hmm. and, the, and the issues were in today's world with the original movie, I think they recorrect quite well in the sequel. I do like yeah. that the three of the, the four girls have a beautiful relationship. Yes. I think, and though we're covering this movie for Pride Month, the representation in this movie is fantastic. I think it really captures what teens go through these days with yeah. their sexuality and being open and honest and their relationship. And I think the actress who plays a trans character does yes an absolutely fantastic job and i'm can't even though the deleted scene exists is when she explains about her being trapped i don't think it needs to be in there i really like that shot away line where after the period scene and she they all go oh i know what it's like and then she goes oh i can't relate so you're aware yeah it doesn't need to be out and open she doesn't need to have a character entrance she doesn't need to have because that always bugs me with gay characters in movies where they come in and go i'm gay here's my coming out story 
yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't need to be necessary because that character we're not telling that character's story. That character is a yeah. supporting character. And she just needs that cutaway comic for us to go, oh, she's trans. That's beautiful. That's it. Yeah. And I, I have to admit, when I watched it, I completely missed that line. And so I yeah. spent the whole movie going, he told me there's a trans character in this movie. Which one is it? So, and then obviously me, over the course of the movie, I was like, okay, it, I think it's her. But it, yeah. yeah, I just, I literally blinked and missed the reference. I, I really like the chemistry between girls, but they've had different culture and different bringing up. And I think that comes mm. across really, really The three well original witches you mean here, yes. don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, even like when the fourth one comes in, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. had a very different bringing up. She's a, she's a foster kid, adopted kid, even though she doesn't find out until half the third act. But she still has a very different upbringing yeah. than the other three. So I think just all four of them come across in this beautiful relationship they have for being these outcasts. Like the problem, like the, the like, there's so much in this movie I love, and I really, when I watched the, the Craft Legacy, I really compare it to another sequel that shouldn't really exist, but does, and was another movie that a lot of people dislike and won't discuss is the Rage Carry Two. I feel like these two sequels mm. sit quite happily next to each other, in that they're like the bastard child to an iconic movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fans of the original movie just wish these sequels didn't exist, and they don't quite understand why what they're trying to be doing with these sequels. Yeah. Um, like the fact that this movie, Craft Legacy, was nominated for a 2021 Glad Media Awards. Yeah. For outstanding for outstanding film, just for representation for the gay yeah. community, and I think that really does paint the storyline. I also feel, and this is where it goes into things I don't like about the movie is, I feel like this film got heavily to make a PG-13 rating. Yeah. I feel like that, that scene where they find the condom is kind of like held off screen and somebody's standing in the way and you've got they just have the conversation because they can't show yeah. it because they want a lower rating. And the bit where David Acosta is in the fire at the end, they're like, they don't show anything because it's got to have a low rating. Yeah. The editing yeah, in this it's, movie... It's by horror film standards, it's very tame. Yeah, and compared to the first one, the first one was the 15. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think this movie is great until the third act. Then the third act, I just think it just loses its way quite rapidly. Mm. And I remember when this movie came out, they had and a lot of people and a lot of reviewers had massive issues with David Duchovny's arrogant male, like women or nothing character that yeah. he was playing. And a lot of people, reviewers wrote that they, why would David Duchovny sign up for this movie? Because he's, the, he's like the X-Files, he's a nice guy. Well, that, because he's well, an actor. And yeah, it's but, a back, job? but back then it was really bad for male actors to look like being an arsehole to a woman. And a lot of film reviewers were like, I don't understand why he has signed on for this character because his character is kind of like a background character and he's a pig in it, but he doesn't really get chance to either. And there's a scene where he goes and physically hits these women in this movie mm. with magic or with actual violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people had that during what we were going through at the time, and I think we have moved on from four years ago. If you look at it through 20, 2016 to 2020, I, the country and both countries were in a very different place. And a lot of people found that really weird that David Tukofny signed up for this movie yeah. once reading the I would, script. I think I would argue to those people that maybe they missed the point because he is absolutely the villain of this movie and he gets his comeuppance and it's not like... There is nothing in this movie that endorses that character's Oh, no, not at all. Behaviour. But, but I think a lot of people who, so this, because this was a sequel to The Craft, 
The Craft was a film that was big from fans of grew up in the 90s, so they're in their 40s mm. now. They also grew up with David Duchovny in The X-Files, and he's always played the nice guy or the yeah. bumbling fool. So to have him come into this film that they felt like was a sequel made for them and have somebody else be villainized in that it yes, was a hard i see what you mean yes of all the people they could have cast it yeah. was him yeah like if it's got like yeah. someone like vincent vaughan or someone else even that period of time but have played the arsehole in the past i think they would have had a lot of better... again i would maybe argue that i think most people watching i mean i think that character sets off Spidey senses very early on in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I don't think anyone was expecting him to be the big bad from the get-go. No. And I think part of that is because it's David Duchovny. Why would he be the bad guy? So I wonder if some of that casting was about facilitating the twist later on. I mean, obviously, yeah. by the time of the reveal, we are all well aware that it's going to turn out to be him because that's yeah. how movies work. But from early on in the movie, we're just like, oh, he's just the dickhead stepdad we don't mm. realize and i think if it had been someone who has more of a reputation for potentially playing the bad guy i think it would have tipped people off yeah. perhaps to the twist that was coming later in the movie maybe i feel like that must have but been i don't think casting. that was yeah but i don't think it was a twist it was so obvious i think the twist was that the girl from the original craft movie was in the mental industry at the end that was the twist well, for me. I mean, if they wanted that to be the twist, then, then maybe they shouldn't have put her in the trailer. Yeah, but back then you had to make it. Well, <laughs> That's all to I make... have to say about that. But don't forget, we didn't have a trailer for this. The trailer came out a week before the movie did. They had to make people watch it. There was no yeah, press yeah, or release yeah. for that. So it wasn't like we get the trailer six months before no, the movie came out. No, it was very, very soon before the movie came out. But still, she she features in the trailer. In a scene that doesn't exist in the movie yeah. as well. There's a couple of bits in that trailer that that aren't in the final movie. And one of them is the appearance of Nancy's character or the picture of Nancy. But to have her in the credits and to have her in the trailer yeah, and then expect it to be like, it's pretty obvious from the get-go well, the, that that's going to end they up really, being the, the story. Well, I think, no, but we have to look at it from the point of view when they went to go and make the movie. I don't think that was supposed to be in the trailer. I think they, have, they panicked and was like, we need to make people rent this movie or stream yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a different oh, and so they figured if they put her in, but it's a photo rather than her in real life, so it's still ambiguous. Yeah, and but it cements the connection. I actually think there was a point where I I felt that maybe the main character's father would end up being David Duchovny, and he raped the original character from the original movie. In the that crossed the... my mind, and, and then... actually, Zoe Lister Jones has put on record, although again, it's not in the script. Yeah. Um, but Lily is the product of rape, and that is something that we might potentially have seen explored a bit in future instalments had they come to exist. Because we know she must have been conceived well after the events of the craft because of the timeline. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because I'm I um, like, well, she's been in the hospital for that amount of time. So we assume that, yeah, you, you assume that she is a, a product of rape. Yes, well, and yes, it like has crossed it? my mind. Oh, what did I like about it? Yeah. Oh, well, so yes. So just filling out the backstory. So I I don't really know how I didn't see the craft when it first came out. Mm. Um, other than so it came out in 1996. So I was 16 then. And I guess I didn't really watch a lot of movies when I was 16. I was doing other stuff, I guess. I didn't really get into movies until 
I was at university and was becoming friends with you and obviously you were a movie buff and you got me into movies and I had a boyfriend who was really into movies. And so that kind of my very late teens into my twenties was my kind of the stage at which I got really into, to watching movies. Yeah. And I guess The Craft is one of those movies that if you didn't watch it at the time, unless you're one of the core fans who will watch it over and over and over. Yeah. It's not the kind of movie that, you go to Blockbusters, because that was a thing in our early 20s, and go, oh, what shall we rent? Let's get the craft. And even though you and I had access to take quite a lot of movies from Blockbusters, because we both work there, and they give you an allocation each week of movies that you can rent to make sure that you've seen everything. But obviously, yeah. they want you to be watching the new releases. They don't want you to be watching the craft that came out five years ago. So I think it just didn't hit my radar. So yeah, I think it just didn't cross my path. Yeah. And so I watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago ahead of watching The Legacy for this. I can see that if I'd watched it at the time, I would have bloody loved it. It it's it taps yeah. into everything about being a teenage girl in 1996. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And I yeah, I would have really, it would have resonated with me quite strongly. Watching it now in my 40s for the first time, it it was difficult to watch. For that exact reason, because it tapped into everything that's bloody awful about having been a teenage girl in 1996, which I was. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying for a moment that my teenage years were traumatic because I've, you know, I've had a wonderful life. But being a teenage girl in the 90s was shit, just generally. I think I, I'm guessing being a teenage boy in the 90s was probably shit and possibly being a teenager full stop at any point in history. Yeah is a bit shit but this film really encapsulates that so i see its merits but i didn't love it in the way that you do and in the way that most people our age do my husband was really surprised that i didn't love it because he saw it kind of there and he watched it with you this time yeah he watched both movies with me he so so because he sometimes guys he usually bows out when when i make claire watch shit it depends on claire he's like oh i don't want to watch that you can watch it by yourself and then i said oh we're doing the craft legacy he's like oh yeah i love the craft i'll watch that with you so he watched it with me i think he prefers the first one to the second he did duck out for a little bit in the second movie and came back to it so the first one i don't feel that kind of really strong passion for that a lot of people our age do yeah so then coming into watching The Craft Legacy, I I really enjoyed, like you said, the, the difference in the relationship between the four girls compared to the relationship with the four girls in the first movie. The first movie, you see them very quickly become very close, but then just as quickly, it all just goes to shit and the backstabbing starts and the bitching and the sniping. And it's yeah. obviously in the movie is a, a kind of escalated version, but it's very similar to what my experience of being a teenage girl in real life was that you have these friendships, but there's always that thing of, is she said that about you behind your back and like, you never really know who your friends are when you're a teenage girl. And that was very clear in that movie. Whereas in, in the sequel, there wasn't a hint of that. These girls had each other's backs. They formed a true sisterhood. Their, their coming together felt more natural for me than in the first movie and it just it just seemed like they, the relationship was just so much healthier. Their relationships yes. between the four of them, the relationship they had with magic was much healthier as well. Having watched the second movie, mm. I see the first movie as being not as respectful of the magic as it could have yeah. been. In the first yeah. movie, there's a lot, you know, they they shoplift from the woman in the magic store. She warns them 
you know, everything you do will come back on you three times. They ignore her. They make what I guess is is set up to be selfish wishes for themselves. Yeah. Although really they're not that selfish. It's just what every teenage girl wants. You know, if you've got skin mm. problems as a teenager, you want to be pretty. If if you're being bullied, you want revenge on your bully. If you've got a shitty home life, you don't want a shitty home life. If there's a boy who's who you like, who's being mean to you, you want him to like you back. So they're, they're all very reasonable things to wish for, but yeah. they're quite selfish things. Whereas in the sequel, we're seeing the girls, they cast a spell on Timmy to make him a better person. It's There's yeah. no, other than the impact it would generally wit- have on the people around, it wasn't for their benefit. It wasn't, I want yeah. him to like me, although that does obviously come up later. But there was no, I don't want to punish him, even mm. though he was bullying Lily and presumably... Yeah. He's he's established very early on as a bully, so he's probably bullied some of the others as well and other kids in the school. But mm. at no point are they trying to get revenge on him as a bully. They're not trying to punish him. They're not trying to make him fall in love with any of them. They just yeah. want him to be a better person. And they're, they're much more respectful of the magic when when Lily does go astray and starts casting magic selfishly and without the group. Instantly, they're like, no, she has to be bound and maybe we do as well. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not just about casting her out. It's about, okay, this relationship of the four of us is not working. So we have to end it. And that means ending for all of us. Mm. And then when they realize it's going to shit, they're there for her. They come together. The The final battle is not between the four of them. They are stronger, united. And I really like that in this movie. It's a much nicer message to be sending yeah. out. I mean, it makes it harder to make it a horror movie. I have I to say, that. like, as a horror movie, it does not compare to the yeah, first no, movie. I don't really see the sequel as a horror. I just see it as, like, a teen angst movie. It's a Yeah, it's a supernatural teen, like, thriller light kind of thing. It's not, it's not, I'm surprised by it being under that Blumhouse banner because it's so... Well, Blumhouse does quite a lot of these kind of movies, like, like even if you look at Happy Death Day or look at... Uh, Freaky Friday, uh, Freaky Friday, that horror comedy mm. that he he goes mm. down more that team route that makes the PG thirteen because the PG thirteen horror sells more tickets than a fifteen or an eighteen horror, so they try to does. because there's a larger audience for it. And teen girls yeah. love horror; they like to have that little bit of scare without the violence and the blood, you know. So I do think like the my my main gripe with this movie is the editing mm. when it comes to get that lower rating. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you're. I think you've, you're right there. I think it it does suffer mm. from having been lightened up. I think you know it. It probably gains in other ways because if you're making a teen movie, I guess you need to make it appeal not just to the older teens that are literally represented in the movie, but to the younger teens who aspire yeah. to be that. So you have to kind of make it accessible to them. But I, I think you're right. I think they've lost a lot of the potential for making it a more engaging story by having yeah, to cut out some of that stuff. But taking that all in and the what you seem to like about it, is there anything that you really disliked about this film, apart from the editing, what is my main right? Yeah, I think there are a few bits that are a bit clumsy in there. Mm. Um, I think the while I appreciate the Carrie reference, that period scene at the beginning is just weird. And I, I find it really surprising that that was written by a woman. Because that is not going to happen. No girl is going to be bleeding enough to drip off her chair without her being able to feel that she's leaking through her clothes. But, but I think that's where 
for a guy, and I live with a gynecologist, that's the scene in the film that really freaked me out and I felt so bad for that character. Also, this film was written for teenage girls, and for teenage girls, that's probably the worst Oh, yeah, thing I mean, that, that is absolutely happen. your worst fear. Absolutely yeah, and that's what they're, that's what they're tipping in for. I don't think they're tipping in for the scientific, you know. Well, this is the thing. Again, I'm watching it as a middle-aged woman and, and it's very early on in the movie and I'm watching it with critical eye. And the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, I like that we're getting the nod to Carrie. I did yeah. appreciate that. But that ain't get that. No, that's not what happens ever. And then, you know, and then the other girls go, oh, you know, we've all been there. I was like, but you haven't because that doesn't happen. But anyway, and then I move on. <laughs> <laughs> but that did just kind of niggle with me a little bit as as a woman who has experienced period. Like, I know every woman experiences their periods in different ways, yeah. but that ain't going to happen. That you could be dripping on the floor and not be able to feel it already is that that ain't happening. Other things. Um, the thing that really felt weird to me was that there, there seemed to be a couple of little um, like stubs of plots that never yeah. paid off. And again, maybe this is the, going the back to your editing issue. The whole thing of um, Isaiah sleepwalking. Yeah. Like literally they kept it in for a really crap jump scare that you knew is going to be a jump scare. You're sitting there going, well, you can see there's a shadow. The yeah. lights are going to come on and it's going to be someone. We don't know who. Yeah. And you go, oh, it's him. And I have to say, I think because there were two, the two of the stepbrothers were a similar age and a very similar look. I found it quite tricky to keep track of which brother was which. I got I got really confused the first time I watched it about which one Tim had fooled around. Because I yes. was a bit like... And the only way you really get a hint of it is when Tim and the other one walk into the room while the older one is playing the video game and he has that shifty kind of look like, well, I'm going away now. Yeah, And yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, it's that one. That's yeah, the it's only the older time... Brother. It's not the one he's that... friends with, it's his friend's brother. And then later on he explains that it's... Oh, so and so is my best friend. But it takes a rewatch for you to go, oh, that yeah, yeah, shifty yeah. look is because of that. Yeah. But it is like I like that whole story. I just wish like they could have easily work their way around that by literally having the new stepsister walk in and catch them in mid-brace. Because there's even a scene where that is it the older one that's masturbating in the bedroom to really I aggressive. I don't know. Pose? This is what I'm saying. She walks there's in two... on one of them having a wank, but I don't know which one because they're they're, that... they're so because they do so little in the movie. Yeah. The, the stepbrothers, obviously, the younger one she has that little dialogue with, and the the younger one is visibly identifiable compared to the other two because he's so much yeah. younger. But the older two, because they're similar in age and they're similar in look, which is to be expected because they're brothers, but still, it mm. the characters are not developed enough to make it easy to identify which one's which for yeah. me. And we never when we're got, focusing on other things. And we because they're ancillary really, characters. But we also never got what happened to David Dacosny's first wife with the who are who are the, the mother of the free boy, mm. you assume. And then you're like, wouldn't You've got this hang up with her being a new, having these new step siblings and moving in with her mum. But you never really got to know what the three boys feel like having a new mum brought into the family. They feel like it was, they came across like this was a common occurrence. Maybe it is. I mean, it, again, this is another thing that isn't written into the script, but Zoe Lister Jones has said on record that David Duchovny, oh, that Adam, Adam, David Duchovny's character, yeah. found Helen based on having found out that Lily was Nancy's daughter. It yeah. was not a coincidence 
that he ended no. up shacking up with Nancy's daughter's mum. Yeah, he, she's there he because built of that Nancy. entire relationship on the basis of wanting to get to Lily, wanting her power. So it could well be. And we see the older boys are kind of part of this cult group, aren't they? I can't remember yeah. if the younger boy is is in that scene. I don't think he is. But no. the older boys we see in the scene in the house where he's got his weird man cult round being culty, culty with an L. So we see that they're part of that. So maybe this is something they've seen before. Or maybe it's one of these things that they didn't have time to show us. Because it isn't their story, but it just, I don't know, the way those characters were handled, it made it tricky to keep track. And particularly that, oh, Isaiah's sleepwalking again story. The use of the word again, and we don't see him sleepwalk at any other point. But also that whole thing about David Duchovny's character, Adam, killing Tim because he yeah. found out that he had a relationship with his older son. And then you find mm-hmm. then before that you find out that the younger the middle son is being invited into the cult. So you're like so did he tell David Duchovny's character about Tim? It just doesn't none of it just leaves all these questions unopened. Well, like In the movie Adam says that he killed Timmy because Timmy was becoming friends with the girls and allowing himself to and lowering himself to the level of girls, because in in Adam's mind, men are above women in terms of mm. superiority, and so then by becoming friends with the girls, yeah, rather than spending the time with his sons or with other guy friends, Timmy is lowering himself and weakening himself, and that was the reason. So we don't know for sure whether Adam knew that his son had fooled around with Timmy or not. See, I didn't um, get that at all. I know he says it, but I didn't believe that was why the reason he... Yeah, well, this is the thing. Know. This is what he says. I did find it a bit frustrating. I know it had to happen in terms of the narrative of the story, but I, I found it very frustrating that Timmy came out and then he got killed. Yeah. Because that's, no, no. that's a messy trope, the, the whole killing off your gaze thing. And I get that it had to happen. And I don't, I don't think he was necessarily killed because of his sexuality. Certainly mm. from the, the creative point of view, possibly in terms of Adam's character, that might have been a, a factor. But I don't think they were trying to kill off the gays. But, but then I think why that, is it I, part of his character? I mean, no, why why make that his main character storyline? Because that's his main story arc, is him coming out the whole movie. And then he yeah. dies five minutes later. So what's it the just, point in doing so it? It's so quick. This is the thing. I think if he'd come out and then stuff happened and then he got killed, yeah, it wouldn't bother me. But the fact that he he came out and then there was that flicker of is he going to start a relationship with Lily? And then literally the next scene, he's dead. He's gone. Yeah. It That was a bit like, oh, did, did they have to do that? Because I think I agree with you. I think the representation in this movie, queer representation, I mean. Yeah. Is brilliant. And actually, I, I think it's really good that the so the three characters that we know to be other than straight are Lauders, Timmy, and Isaiah. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah has so little character that it's it's whether he's gay or straight or bi or curious or whatever is irrelevant. His sexuality yeah. is completely unimportant because he as a character is is fairly unimportant. He's just there as a vehicle for Timmy's coming out, I guess. Yeah. Timmy, obviously, we have the coming out scene, but I don't feel like his sexuality is the most prominent part of his characterization throughout the whole movie. I think the coming out scene is very important, but more because of the opening up to the girls than about the actual sexuality, if you yeah. see what I mean. See, I and think... then with 
I Go think on. there's a. I I actually think that the scene in the movie where they find the condom in Timmy's bedroom and use it to put the spell on him. Mm. Wouldn't it be weird if they did that scene, but then Isaiah was the one that started. <laughs> it was Isaiah's like, condom. <laughs> and that's how they felt. And then they're just like, well, why? And that basically they, they struggle with, shall we out Timmy as being gay? But then, but then that does change the dynamic and it makes it more about the sexuality. One of the things I love in this movie is that these, these people's sexuality is expressed and it's made clear, but it's not their story arc. That's not yeah. what the movie's about. The fact that Lord is as trans doesn't change anything else about how her character is written, even though she was written no. always to be a trans character. Um, yeah. It wasn't that they met the actor, the actress and thought, oh, it has to be her, so let's make the character trans. The character was always going to be trans, but her trans status was never going to be the main aspect of her character. And I yeah. think Timmy being bi is not the main aspect of his character, although it is crucial to his story arc in terms of the coming out and yeah Isaiah is such a blah character that his sexuality is as irrelevant as kind of the rest of him and but I love that that that's the case in this movie that this movie Mm. does represent in such a and this is how it is in real life way the story is not about their sexuality but their sexuality exists but then we still have this I'm by five minutes later I'm dead which was a bit of a yeah such a shame in the context of everything else. It, like um, that, I feel like that's where it changes to the third act. And I think that's where the problem lies in this movie. It's the third act of, act of this movie. Yeah. Once and it, dies, it does get clumsier after yeah. that. And the, the Nancy reveal for me is clumsy because yeah. I guess it's there as a sequel hook for a sequel yeah. that never happened. But to literally, you know that this is coming. By this stage, you've known for a if you haven't already worked it out, then from as soon as Lily finds her adoption papers, you're doing the thinking and you're going, okay, well, she's going to be Nancy's kid because we know that Nancy's in this movie and we haven't seen her yet. Mm. And it's, so it's going to be her. Yeah. Did you watch the but, trailer then before watching the movie? No, I didn't watch the trailer, but I knew she oh. was in the movie. Okay. I don't know how, I can't remember how I knew, but I knew she was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, probably IMDb. Don't look at IMDb before you I watch know, a movie. I know, and I don't normally look at anything before. Like my husband was asking me afterwards. He was like, "Oh, what's what's why is it at Bloomhouse's? Because the the credit on the movie is Bloomhouse's The Craft Legacy." Yeah. And so he said to me at the end, "Why is it being bannered as that and not The Craft Legacy?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't do any research until after I've seen the movie because I don't want spoilers." And somehow I found out that Nancy was going to be in this bloody movie. Well, I can um, understand. I can get the why it's called the Bloomhouse Craft Legacy because when this was in production, it was called the Craft. The Legacy was added right towards release. It was never called the Craft Legacy. Oh, uh, so was, it was Bloomhouse they, is the Craft, and yeah. then they added the Legacy. Yeah, that makes sense because they wanted to really sense. push the sequel when it went to home streaming because originally it was just to be supposed to be called yeah, yeah, yeah. the Craft. They yeah. did that whole thing like they did with Scream when they did Scream. Yes, five, whatever it is, they called it Scream, and then they got now they made they made Scream six and was like. Oh crap! Now we have to go back to numbers. Yeah, what are we going to do now? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I just thought the way that that reveal played out, and I was completely on board with it up until the moment that it happened, and then the movie finished, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So we literally just going to see her face and then cut to black, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and nothing else. That's it. And then because there weren't any more sequels, yeah. That then that's it. I mean, I guess whatever would have come next would have explored their relationship and the the history of how Nancy came to get pregnant with Lily. 
but yeah. we're never going to find that out because I don't think that's. I think this happen. movie would really work well as a pilot for a TV show. Well, it's interesting you say that because there's a there were a lot of accusations when Charmed came out of it being sort of lifting itself from the craft. Mm. That it was uh, taking a lot of inspiration, even down to the use of music. And Robin, I forget her surname, Tunny. Yes. Who was in the, uh, she played Sarah in the craft. She had people in the sort of late 90s, early thousands when, when Charmed was around, thinking that she was in Charmed. Yeah. When she never was, because it was so similar to the craft. Yeah. No, so, I yeah, I mean, I think a, a series of the four girls could work. I, I don't know like whether, I don't know if a series exploring the relationship with Nancy would work though. No, but I think her coming regular visitor to the series, they could have that start the series off with her being in talking to her, like pick it up straight from mm. the sequel. And then during the series, something goes horribly wrong for the four girls going, going get her to solve a problem, like the return of David Duchovny and stuff, and they need a more powerful witch. And then you yeah. can get some of the original girls and Nev Campbell could come back for one episode and they could have like that reunion of the original coven from the first movie to come in and do like... To, You've to already help. written this fan fiction, haven't you? Oh yeah, big time. No, I am. <laughs> I'm making it up on the spot, but you know what I mean? There's that kind of... Yeah, I yeah. think people, it didn't really pay off. I just think there was a better story to this tell. This is the thing. There was a lot of hoo-ha about it and, and you feel like you're investing in the movie and then it gets to the end and you're like, oh... Yeah. Okay, is that is that it? Yeah, I so did feel it, though. I did feel though that the original movie felt felt like a Hollywood movie, and the sequel felt more like an indie flick. I felt like they were very made in different, very very lights. Like the first movie feels like a major teen Hollywood nineties movie, like I know you did last summer in Scream. I think that had oh yeah 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 for energy. sure. And I didn't get that feeling from the sequel. I felt like it was much more, a bit more grittier and tried to be down, more down to earth and dealing with. Yes, and, and much more its own thing rather than be. I mean, the, the thing about the craft, the original movie, is that it it took a format that was established, the teen yeah. drama, the teen girl movie, and put such a big twist on it that not, hadn't been seen before. Like yeah. I was listening, it might have been the Bechdel cast, actually. They did an episode on this that I listened to a couple of days ago, and I think it was them, or it might have been someone else, that said that it was, it's clueless, but with goth girls. Yeah, no, I had to. And it, well, it the, is. On the craft. The, the, the original movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is that kind of, um, that teenage girl movie that we saw so many times before, but then they just put that spin on it and made it something very different and very new and I can see even having watched it now for the first time only recently I can see the impact that that would have had on people watching it for the first time yeah. in the mid-90s I'm not sure that the craft legacy has that kind of impact no but there are a lot of things in it that I really appreciate and I do think the overall message of it being a sisterhood and it being about supporting one another and women supporting women rather than that that much more toxic version of female friendship that we see in the first movie. I don't yeah. know whether times have changed so much. I hope times have changed so much that that kind of toxicity doesn't exist in teenage girl friendships these days. But I, I don't know. I don't know any teenage girls does. at the moment to know. I can't imagine it's gone away. I can't, I don't no. think our generation is so bloody special that we were the ones that have the monopoly on toxic friendship. You know, there are shitty people out there, but at least 
if I think that was my takeaway from this movie is if you can find your tribe, yeah, then that's a huge thing. In the first movie, they had their tribe and they nearly killed each other, literally nearly killed mm. each other from within their their tribe. Yeah. Where in at least in this movie, you see the cliques, you see the bullying. So clearly it does still exist, but they've mm. got each other and that helps them to navigate all of the bullshit. So taking that there one into go. account. Mm. How many covens would you give the craft legacy? I look, I quite enjoyed watching this movie. I'm gonna give it three and a half out of five. <gasps> Ooh. I quite like like I didn't love it, but I would very happily watch it again. Um I think the audience, 25% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I think you're right. I think they must have all just been the fans of the original movie. No, going, I what is this shit? That where's Nev Campbell? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I, I think for the for a new generation, I think it's mm. a a nice entry level teen horror. Yeah, no, I agree. As a I kind agree. of easing the youngsters into something a bit more kind of further into that genre, I quite like I it. How about you? I would give it two and a half covens. You know, mm-hmm. I. I, I I feel like the critic score of uh, like forty eight percent fifty percent is the right kind of ballpark. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think the third act is pretty awful, um, and I think it comes down to not even storytelling. I think it comes back back down to shoddy editing to get that lower rating. Mm. I think that somewhere on the cutting room floor, there's a 15 rated version of this movie or a 12A version of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's like half an hour longer and a whole bunch better. Well, not even half an hour longer, like like even like five or six minutes just to sort out those scenes, like like the whole condom scene and kind of like, you know, the intimate scenes and, you know, even kind of like having those conversations that they cut out from the movie and the grandmother scenes and just putting them back in and, you mm. know, maybe even having... A scene where t- you you're there when Timmy feels like he's going to take it take his life just kind of like something quite cold and blunt. So you feel like it's not just thrown away. But when you find out that Timmy's killed himself, well, this is the thing, and of course we away. know that he didn't kill himself at the end. But I think there could have been a scene following on from yeah. that that coming out moment where we see the contemplation. He was clearly in a strange emotional state, but then I don't know. Yeah, because I would like to have seen kind of like maybe after his int- intimacy with a stepsister, with them kissing, getting down, going down the hallway and being pulled in the room by the stepbrother. And that's what I'm David sure you would like is. to see that. Of course. Why not? But, you know, I, <laughs> it, just to kind of like cause everything's hearsay in this movie. And even like when the, when the teacher comes in and goes, oh, he's yes. killed himself. I'm a bit like, yeah. is he? A lot of the big bit- stuff happens off screen. Yeah, and that bugs me with movies because I'm a bit kind of like because I like this movie. This is the kind of movie that you would watch as a 16 year old or even a 14 year old would watch. What on Netflix at home with your when you're having a sleepover with some girls because you want to watch a spooky movie, mm-hmm. and you're that age group, and you're going to be talking over it or gossiping about it. And you, if you gossip during this movie or not paying attention to it, one second distraction, you'll be like. Oh, where's he gone? Did we see him die? Did yeah. we not see him die? You know, I think that that editing issue with this movie really bugs me. But the first two thirds, great film. So 
that's the craft legacy for you listeners please take a moment to rate us and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes and tell us what you thought of the movie you can leave us a comment you can email us on unloved sequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unloved sequels so it's goodbye from me michael and from me claire take care guys bye out here we are the weirdos mister